1: In approximately about 20 seconds we're going to do our cross to Sydney, we're going to catch up with Julian King, so I thought I'd just take 15 seconds to tell you a couple of really bizarre things. Did you know that a dime in the United States has 118 ridges around the edge? And the giant squid has the largest eyes in the world? And most people fall asleep in seven minutes. Anyway, let's now catch up with our Australian correspondent, Julian King. Hello. How are we, my good man?
0: I'm good. I was just just saying that um, Luke Metcalf, who you recruited from the Sharks, your Warriors, uh, he has followed in the footsteps of Trell Mitchell, Tom Trevoyich and Ryan Pappenhausen. He's making this this trip over to the USA to uh, work on his injury. So there you go.
1: Yeah, it's amazing that the XPST still tends to lie in America. I would have thought, I can understand maybe a New Zealanders or New Zealand-based players heading offshore, but I would have thought Australia would be fairly well-equipped.
0: You'd think so. Maybe we can just, you know, shack him up in an Airbnb and just keep him here permanently.
1: Mm. Hey, how big is Israel Adesanya in Australia, the New Zealand-come-Nigerian mixed martial artist?
0: A bit of traction, yeah. You know, it's 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 a growing sport, it's a booming sport, as you know. So, you know, I find that people either love or hate it. Some don't like the violence, others are really heavily invested. But it's it's a name that is most certainly growing. And of course, we've got Volkanovski and a few other big names here, Rob Whittaker. And he's a name that is certainly growing.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people here, you know, we're quite a conservative country. We probably tend to define sports more by the Olympics and Commonwealth Games. And people have sort of described it as legalised prison violence over here. But he is making such a big name now that sort of our conservative media are actually needing to sort of wake up and maybe get rid of some of their prejudice and actually start celebrating this guy.
0: Well, he's got a he's got a title fight, doesn't he? Um, well,
1: no, yep. he, he j- j- just fought over the weekend he against just one, that's Alex right. Pereira. Alex Pereira, yeah. that's, yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, okay. And it was a stunning knockout, one of those sort of fights where he was on the ropes a bit and managed to get the job done. So it's created a real sort of sense of nationalism. Mm.
0: UFC middleweight championship. Mm. Yep. When, I'm just trying to think. You know, years ago, I remember watching a fight and um, the, who was the New Zealand boxer? David Tua.
1: Yeah, the Tua man.
0: Here? The tour man, he the big, like he was short, had a big punch on him with the hair. He had a title fight. Oh, I he took on, notice. he took on, he took on Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis is the one I was thinking of. But this would have been around probably 2000, 2001, to somewhere around there, I think, from memory. Never,
1: never hit the canvas, never went down on exactly a fight, right. and yet the fight that everyone would love to have seen was Mike Tyson, David Tour, because that would have been economies of scale in terms of height and physique. <laughs> yeah,
0: it a little more compact out. Yeah, yeah, little didn't have to
1: worry about the reach.
0: Hey, what about your Warriors? Well, that, that comeback win against the Sharks was magic. I wonder if it just took a bit out of them emotionally. They went down to the Knights. I reckon it's a game where a lot of your Warriors fans would be thinking, you know what, if we, if we played to our best, we can beat the Knights. So they weren't that far off. It probably didn't have every call go their way. But there's a real sense of optimism, I dare say, about the Warriors that there probably hadn't been in recent years. And a lot of that compounded, firstly, by a new coach, by the resurgence of Sean Johnson, by the fact that you actually get to stay at home.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's been the hardest thing because you mentioned that the emotional toll that probably um, that Cronulla game took out of the players. And so, what, through six rounds, they've only had the one home game. So they have had to do a lot of travel. Now, people in Australia can maybe don't really appreciate that. But when you do fly from New Zealand to Australia, it's not just a three-hour flight. You know, you've got to get out to the airport two hours before you've got to travel to the airport. You've then got to get settled at the other end. Now, if you're doing that every week, that does become stressful. That does become tiresome to a degree. Now we're starting to see a few injuries creep into the Warriors. And I guess the real test for this team will come in the next couple of weeks. Clearly got the Cowboys this weekend. Um, I'm a little bit more reserved. Um, I'm not normally somebody who's a coward wise after the fact. I'll give you my opinion straight up. But I think because we've been just let down so often by the Warriors in the last three or four years. We're all still sort of just sitting there, uh, still just you know, a little bit paranoid, perhaps.
0: <laughs> this is one of those, shame on you if you fool me once, shame on me if you fool me twice. You've been, just been hurt too many times. You, you, you don't want to fall in love again, do you? Toru Harris a big in, to Murray Martin a big out, and I think I think it'll read Wade Egan's out again, is he? And uh, yep. Presumably Freddie Lussick will, will slot into that number nine jersey Uh, 100 days mark watson 100 days until the fifa women's world cup uh, jointly hosted by australia and new zealand is there a lot of traction on the ground a lot of talk about this this is a huge event
1: Look, I think more in Australia at the moment. There's been a lot of media today with the 100 days and tickets going on sale at 2 o'clock. And I know Dave Beachwell, I used to work with Dave at Triathlon New Zealand, who's the CEO of this entire sort of um, World Cup here in Australia and New Zealand. Very, very sharp operator. Look, it'll be a fascinating one. I think any time you put World Cup around it, there's going to be a novelty factor no matter what. Um, will people turn up in their drove to watch this? You hope so. This is a huge event. Uh, Opening game, New Zealand versus Norway, I think people would have preferred, and clearly it's not going to work out, people would have preferred maybe the United States, England as an example, and I think you'd certainly sell it out. So it'll be fascinating to see just how much traction this gets. I realise that ticket sales in Australia have gone incredibly well. I think your climate's more conducive. How will people turn up in the middle of July in Wellington watching the United States if it's bucketing down with rain? That'll be the big question mark. And hopefully, hopefully from New Zealand's point of view, we do get full stadiums.
0: I hope so too. So the Australia's opening game, the Matildas playing Ireland, they initially scheduled it for Allianz Stadium with the capacity of about 45,000. Sold out bank like that. So now they've moved it to the Olympic Stadium, the core stadium where the capacity is 80,000 because demand was that high. I think your, your venues were Eden Park, um, Wellington, Forsyth Bar, Dunedin, and, and Waikato Stadium in Hamilton. So capacities of, you know, around 20, 30. Eden Park's a bit bigger as well. But, you know, I hope they – I really hope they turn out because they deserve it.
1: Oh, look, that's huge, isn't it? I mean, there's been a lot of, I guess, inflated hype around women's rugby here and how big and how important it is, and it's sort of almost been a little bit politicised and maybe overinflated. You know, I don't see – that at a grassroots level, but you go down and you look at, you take your kids along to local club football here, and it is amazing just how many girls are playing soccer now or playing football, and it's not just you know five six year olds, but it's running right through. And, and you know clearly the word soccer mum, which you hear in the United States, I think's sort of becoming uh, very <laughs> yeah
0: the four wheel driving soccer mums yeah, yeah and, no, my wife's one
1: of those. <laughs> and now with you know concussion and the gladiatorial games, there is a big yeah. big following in football. Yep. Uh, but you know one thing I think we've struggled with here in New Zealand is actually getting two and a half million women in this country actually to go and watch live sport and I think that is still going to be the challenge look I think fans will go along and watch our game can we get fans going along and watching two or three games we're going to require clearly you know the huge fan base from around the world to hopefully come in and snap up a lot of those tickets so it's not just relying on the New Zealand public because yeah I'm not confident if you're relying just on the New Zealand public that we're going to have sellouts
0: I love the name of the team, the Football Ferns. I confess to having to look that up because I love how New Zealand named their national teams: at All Blacks and Tall Blacks, and mm. you know, I
1: tall, think one the All
0: Whites and All Whites, and and of course the infamous name of the the national well, badminton team.
1: I'll, yeah, well, of course. Yeah, I was going to say I'll let you think about what the um, the badminton team's name <laughs> oh, might be. I know be. exactly what yeah. it is. And the hockey the hockey team's the Black Sticks. The basketball team's the Tall Blacks. Yep. Um, Cricket's I think the Black Caps. I, yeah, I've yeah. got to say the one thing in Australia I don't like. What, what what are the wallaroos? I mean, could you not come up with something better than the wallaroos?
0: What's wrong with the wallaroos?
1: Well what are the wallaroos? The
0: wallabies, The wallab- the wallabies, the wallaroos and so the wallab- the wallaroos are the women's rugby and the gillaroos are the women's rugby league.
1: Yeah, I just it no, just don't quite ring with me. You don't reasons. love it? I think no. it
0: rolls off the tongue. Better Does than the football the football ferns anyway. Oh, far right, we've got to get to a break. Mark, always good to chat. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, very good, very good. You sound like a very, very intelligent Australian. Thoroughly enjoyed our discussion. <laughs> Change the name, though, of the Wallaroos, please. Please. All right, I'll Come do on. my
0: best. Okay. I on Mark Watson's behalf, <laughs> Thank we'll you. let you go. There
1: All right. Hey, cheers, seven minutes away from four of you uh, listening back here in E C N Z here across New Zealand. Uh, almost done. Text coming in, and Richard Wilson was the all-whites goalie with the record in the 82 qualifying series. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, my apologies. It was Frank Van Hadden that came in for the World Cup games, wasn't it? It was Richard Wilson that played all the qualifying and then basically, well, I don't know, basically got screwed when it came to the actual World Cup. Didn't play in the three games, but was the guy that was in goal. Throughout that 1981-82 campaign. Thank you for correcting me on that. I did know that. I still actually have a biscuit tin at home. You know, you could get the biscuit tin with the all-whites on the cover. Still got that. Still got a bit of sports memorabilia from 1982 sitting there somewhere. My wife doesn't appreciate it, but I do. Um, Right. Can we take that commercial break now, Sam? We can, and then we come on, wrap up, and then we can throw it over to Kirsty and Co.